This is HPR episode 2569 entitled Pandemic, Reign of Sifulu Board Game Review and is part of the series Tabletop Gaming. It is hosted by Klaatu and is about 19 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is Klaatu reviews a board game. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Too. You're listening to Hacker Public Radio. I'm going to do a game review because I haven't done a game review in a long time. So this game is called Pandemic, but it's not probably possibly the pandemic that you are used to, if you're used to Pandemic at all. So I guess I should back up. So there's this series, guys, and it's called Pandemic. Pandemic is an interesting board game because it doesn't pit player against player. It pits player against sort of an artificial intelligence, if you will, or or against the game mechanic itself. Really fun game, and the the setup is that there's a biological threat. Now, I've heard a lot of people describe that as a zombie threat, but I, I think the game itself is actually fairly generic. It's just something is happening, a pandemic is occurring, and it's up to the players to contain the, the biohazard. The, the way that you contain the biohazard is that you, you've got characters on the board, and you can you have a certain set of movements each turn and so as you can move to different reports of an outbreak in some region on the board and once you get there then you can spend some movement turns on containing the the biohazard once you've kind of locked down a location that location is quarantined and safe and secure and then you can move on to other locations. Now, if, if you're the only player, then that's that's what you do. If, you, if you've got two players, then you both can start... You can, can attack different... Uh, or, or contain, rather, different areas uh, in tandem so that possibly you're you're making it... You, you know, you're, you're reducing these outbreaks uh, sooner or faster. Now, the mechanic working against you is is the spread of the disease itself. And so for each movement that the players make... The, the game itself gets to make some. Now that, of course, is executed by you, the player. So you, you draw a card from sort of the, the, the threat um, deck or whatever, and, and certain things happen and, and more outbreaks occur. And so you're up against kind of this, this unpredictable rate of outbreak that occurs as you play the game. Now, having described all of that, I don't even know if I've played the the canonical version of Pandemic before. That the 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 game that that is Pandemic, I've I've never actually played. There is, however, a a variety of Pandemic that I have played, and it is uh, the so-called Cthulhu edition. And I chose the Cthulhu edition because I'm a big Lovecraft fan. I've read probably all of his work at this point. And so I figured, well, that could be a fun twist on on Pandemic. So in the Cthulhu edition of Pandemic, you've got your board, and there are different regions. There's Arkham, Dunwich, Innsmouth, uh, Kingsport, and probably another one that I'm forgetting. But they're, they're names that you would probably rec- recognize if, if you were a, a Lovecraft, an avid Lovecraft reader. So the in each in each region on the board, there is a there's a portal, a mystical portal. This portal is meant to be opened by 
a group of cultists and once the portal is opened it it, it lets an elder god in from the other side it, it it manifests them into the world you want to prevent this from happening you do not want the portals to be opened you want to decommission each portal as you are working to do this however cultists are gathering in each region on the board and when i think three or four of them at a time gather in one location then they perform a ritual that has some evil effect at the same time they they are uh, summoning shogoths which are big ugly monsters uh, that can move toward the portal and and open open a portal and let an elder god into the world so you are doing a race against time as cultists gather summon horrible beasts and attempt to release the the elder gods the evil elder gods into the onto the planet the way that this works is really interesting and it's one of the it's one of those really great studies on single player game design that i think i just i i love analyzing how this stuff works so when you start the game you get to play you get to choose a character the characters are each a little bit different uh and and that's kind of nice because in board games a lot of times the players it's just a superficial difference between one player and another but in this they actually have different abilities so for instance you might play a driver who who can move one extra space during their turn or you might uh, you might play a, a detective or a, a police, I forget what they are, but they're, they're some kind of official, which implies that they they have a little bit of extra power. I mean, they carry a gun, for instance. And, and so when they go to clear out a space with a bunch of cultists on it, they can clear out two cultists instead of just one, or something like that. Don't don't quote me on any of these rules. Don't don't play by these rules, but but that's the that's the gist of it you know there's there's some little ability within each character that lets them do something a little bit special and that's kind of nice because it it makes you think okay well this actually this will actually matter in terms of which character i play once you've done once you've chosen your character you get to draw some cards and each player starts with some number of cards but the cards are are location cards so there's a, a card set for kingsport there's a card set for arkham there's a card set for innsmouth innsmouth there's a card set for the other one um uh, kingsport D oh dunwich um yeah so you you have these and once you collect enough of them then you are able to go to a portal spend those cards in order to secure the the portal but you have to have like i think four cards of the matching of a matching set before you can go close a portal. So cards are, are valuable. You want to get cards. Now, as long as you're playing with another person, I've played uh, two-player before, no, no more than that. If, as long as you're playing with another character, another player, um, then you can each, you can swap cards. You can trade cards with each other, but only as long as your characters on the board actually meet up in the same location. So, and there are, so there, so there are, there are regions, the Dun Dunwich, Arkham, Kingsport, and Innsmouth on the board, but then within each region, there's a, there there are there are locations there are spaces that you can you, you can go so as long as you're both on the same space then you can swap cards back and forth as a move action so it costs but it is something that you can do such that if if you know that there's a portal in arkham that needs to be closed you have three arkham cards and your your partner has one then you can meet up swap card or you know collect the cards in such a way that one of you has all four of them and then that person can run off to to the portal in arkham and the other player can run off to uh in 
Innsmouth to contain a, a, a gathering of cultists. How do cultists gather? Well, they gather at the end of each, uh, at the end of, of, of once both players have, have gone, the, the game gets to take a turn. And the game takes a turn by adding some number of cultists to the board, and that is, the, the number of cultists gathering on the board depends on how many players you have. So it, it, it scales. So if, you, if you're just one person playing a single-player game, you don't have, you know, eight cultists manifesting on the board, and you try to contain them all. That would be a little bit much. So it, it, it'll scale with the number of players. So some number of cultists manifest on the board in some location. Once, if three, I think three cultists manifest in one space, not just in one region. So there can be, like, there can be six cultists in Arkham, but if they're all on a different space, one's at the theater and one's at the asylum, and ones at the, the, the wharf and ones at the bus station, it, it doesn't matter. But if they all congregate in one spot, then they do a ritual to summon a Shogoth. And the Shogoth appears uh, somewhere and starts moving around, and then you have to kind of take care of it before it reaches a portal, something like that. Okay, so that, that populates the board with a threat. Additional to uh, physical threats on the board, there are certain cards that summon a, a, a curse, or, or I think actually an Elder God. So at the top of the board, there are about seven different cards face down, randomly chosen from a, from a special stack. And if a particular card is drawn during the game's turn, then you reveal one of these cards along the top of the board. They can be any number of Lovecraftian-style gods, and I don't believe all of them are actually mentioned a whole lot in Lovecraft. I, some of the names are completely foreign to me, so I don't know if they're just made up or if they're just in stories that I haven't read, I'm not sure. But most of them are at least Lovecraftian, and they they have some kind of lasting effect on the board. You know, they 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 might make it so that one extra cultist is summoned each each round, or or it, it might mean that that each player takes some kind of penalty, which I'll talk about in a moment. So so these are sort of lasting f effects that that now occur during the game. So they're they're rules that you're just stuck with, additional rules that you're stuck with, and that hurts. And if all seven cards along the top of the board get turned over, then you lose. All the Elder Gods have been summoned, they've taken over the world, and everything descends into madness. And that's another mechanic of the game, uh, is the madness mechanic. A big part of Lovecraftian horror is the idea that a normal human just can't can't take the the sheer absurdity and grotesqueness of, of primordial reality. And so if you come face-to-face -face with a Shogoth or... Uh, an elder god, then you would probably just go completely insane. And in this game, there is a mechanic for that. So under certain conditions, you'll need to roll a, a, a sanity die. And it's a special die with, with little symbols on it, and you, you roll that, and if, if sometimes it just rolls to nothing, a, a blank side, but other times it, it displays a symbol, and you only have, you have uh, some number of sanity tokens, and once you go insane, then you turn your player card over, and your, your ability your player abilities have changed, so maybe you have fewer turns that that round, your each round, or maybe you've lost your special ability that you got as a, as as that character. 
maybe both, who knows. So that also hurts. Now you can spend some turns to go to a sanctuary and restore your sanity, but that requires you to spend the time to go restore your sanity, so whether you want to do that or not depends. In addition to all of that, there are relic cards, and relic cards are things, that they're items that you find along the way, and they give you special bonuses, special power-ups that you can play during your turn. Sometimes uh, a relic is powerful enough to force you to roll your sanity die to make sure that you don't go insane whilst invoking some ancient forgotten lore. Uh, other times it's not that big of a deal and you can just use the card for free. Either way, they're, they're power-ups, they help you do something special, like maybe you can defeat a Shogoth, or maybe you can wipe away all the cultists in a square on one turn instead of three turns, or, or whatever. So actual gameplay goes a little bit something like this. You and your partner, or your, your, your group of friends, however many people you're playing with, I think you can play up to six. Uh, you, you guys can sort of discuss who should go do what. Initially, you, you've got some cultists on the board that, that get manifested, you know, before everything happens. So that's usually your first target, is let's let's go to the to where those cultists are and take some cultists out. And in order to do, do, to do that, you simply have to be on the same space as a cultist, and then you use another move action to, to get rid of the cultist. I don't know what happens to the cultists, it's not really explicitly said, I don't know if we're killing them or if we're just arresting them or what, but, I mean, that's also a good opportunity for you and your friends to come up with exactly what you've done as well, and that can get a little bit wacky, but either way, the cultist it gets displaced from the board and is no longer a problem so that's usually your first your first angle of attack is to to go deal with any cultists out there because as i said they're going to multiply at the end of everyone's turn when the when the game gets to go more cultists are going to appear now once that starts happening once the cultists start appearing more often generally i think what what ha and i'm not making i'm not giving advice here but i'm i'm just saying in the way that i've been playing it is that one person or one group of people deals with the cultists, just just man, you know, crowd control essentially, and someone else goes around and deals with the portals because the portals have to get closed off in order to, to well, in order to win the game. That's the win condition. For each portal in each region, so that's four portals, uh, have to get crossed off. Like you have to secure them with a special ritual. Uh, as long as you have all the cards that you need, that you you can do that. So one player has to do that. Now the the back and forth part usually happens when you realize that, well, I've got two cards that I need, and you've got one, and you've got one, so let's all figure out how to meet up. But every move is precious, right? So if, you, if, if you're going to go meet up with someone else to trade cards, or if you're going to go restore your sanity, or whatever, these are moves that you cannot use to do something that probably needs to get done. For instance, killing a monster or a cultist. So the, the turn management becomes a part of the... is probably one of the main mechanics, uh, player mechanics of the game. That's the that's the thing that you really have to think about is, well, how many turns do I have to use up to get from here to get to, to there in order to get something that I need and then and then go back to the portal to finish the job, that sort of thing. The card drawing that happens when the game, at the game's, you know, at the end of the, the player's turn is kind of the uh, the wild card. It, it can it could summon a monster. It could summon an elder god. It can do lots of different things. 
something usually something bad happens and you you're never quite sure what it's going to be so that's um that's that's the element of complete unpredictability the game is a lot of fun and there are a couple of different editions of it there's there's pandemic the 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 canonical original version there are spin-offs like pandemic cthulhu reign of cthulhu pandemic survival uh pandemic rising tide pandemic legacy pandemic contagion there are a lot of different versions and a lot of different spins on the same theme because it's a good mechanic it's a mechanic that works and there's also a lot of stuff online where you can uh, you know there are like little additions to the game to make it more challenging or less challenging and in fact it's kind of built into the game that there's a little bit of an adjustment if if you find that as you get good and and get to know your partner really well that you're getting maybe too good at the game you can just uh you you can adjust the the hard level you know you can just say okay well instead of instead of playing by the rules for two people we'll play by the rules for three people and 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 kind of increase the rate of of propagation and generally turn up the difficulty level so it's it's kind of nice that way too and something that you don't really often see in board games, I don't think. I feel like a lot of times the the board game is 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 what it is, and 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 that was designed that way, and that's it. But this, I mean, it it scales for people, so you can just kind of fudge it a little bit to, to make it more difficult as needed. And there are expansion packs and things like that too. And and I mean, it's it's a game, so you can always create house rules to to make them a little bit more interesting. But there's a big following online for this game, so you're you're bound if you if you look up on the internet for for mix you know, remixes of, of Pandemic or, or, or add-ons to Pandemic, you will find really interesting ways to make the game fresh and new. Which is probably an argument for getting the, the original Pandemic, because in terms of, of the game being forked and modded, a lot of that is happening for, for Pandemic proper, rather than something like Cthulhu. I mean, I don't know, maybe they port, I'm not sure, I haven't really looked into it, but that's just something to be aware of. You should definitely try this game if you've never played a, a game where you are playing against the game mechanic. A lot of people I've met, more people than, I, than I've met than I had expected, have, have thought that board games were always player against player. And that kind of surprised me. I don't know why it surprised me, because for most of my life I thought board games were necessarily player against player as well. But uh, I think it's really a lot of fun to be able to play a board game where you're playing with your friends rather than against your friends. And a lot of people that I've met have really found that puzzling. Like, why would I ever want to not play against someone? But but once you try it, I think you'll find that it's a lot of fun to be able to play with your friends against a, a, a mechanized villain rather than doing the whole, okay, now we're going to play against each other and see who wins. Which, I mean, you know, if you have a certain relationship with your friends, maybe that's fun. Maybe you guys have a lot of fun ribbing each other about who's going to win and stuff like that. But if you've never tried it, I'm just saying you should try it because sometimes that, that shift in psychology of, okay, everybody, now we're going to work together and we're going we're gonna to support each other in tackling this common problem and work against this 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 mechanic and see if we can solve the puzzle together it's a lot of fun and and it, it brings out a lot of surprising a, a lot of surprising emotions and feelings as as you work together to solve a problem rather than working against each other I'm not saying it's bad to work against each other I know it's just a game I'm just saying if you've never tried working together at beating a game mechanic then it's worth it's worth a shot and pandemic is one of the better ones so give it a try that's about it for this episode. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. 
We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at bingrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license. Thank you.